0: Well, welcome today, we are in our third week of this series called, uh, there's an app for that, we're talking about forgiveness, and so if you have your Bible, if you would turn with me to Psalm chapter 32, Psalm chapter 32, and as uh, we're, you're getting there, you know, I came across a story this week, I don't know, you might have read the same thing that I read, it was kind of bizarre actually, that um, speaking of forgiveness, that uh, a Middle Eastern uh, leader who had uh, employees, thousands of people, and a very powerful individual uh, had had an extramarital affair with one of his employees wives and in the in in the event of the affair they actually uh, had a child uh, and conceived a child and according to the law the Middle Eastern law they were not allowed to divorce and so he actually had a hit put out on this lady's husband Anybody may read this this week very interesting and uh, had a hit put out on this lady's husband, had him killed. Nobody knew it or connected it. He actually married the woman. She gave birth to the child. When the child uh, was, uh, was born, there were major defects, major issues, stayed uh, under doctor's care and supervision, and actually died. And upon the death, there became quite a few questions. It kind of opened a whole Pandora's box and uh, come to find out, all of this information came out. You're talking about a man that needs forgiveness. Uh, someone that's in need of, 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 you know, the employees, the family, the, the, the life that was taken, the adultery, all of that stuff. How does he deal? How does he find forgiveness? How does he deal with the hurt? How does he deal with the pain? Well, Psalm 32 gives us insight on how to do that. Because that man's name is David. David of the Old Testament. And that's exactly what happened in the life of David. Yeah, David the one that slew Goliath. David the one after God's own heart. I told you I just read a story this week, just like you did in the Bible. Some of you are going, wow, is that like in USA News, Report, CNN? I missed that somewhere. This is what David said upon dealing with this particular sin that I just described. Verse 1, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I keep silent, my bones wasted away, and through all my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. Verse 5. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and did not cover my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to you, the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Now, on the subject of forgiveness and how it works, I get four common questions about this this subject of forgiveness. And I want to deal with those today. The the first question I get is, what is forgiveness? Really, what is forgiveness? I mean, we all kind of understand it, but what is forgiveness? I want to give you a statement. Forgiveness did not originate with man, but it was meant for man. Although forgiveness didn't originate with man... It was meant for man. And let me explain why. When we talk about forgiveness, at the same time we're talking about injustice. Because forgiveness and injustice go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. You see, if there's no offense, there's no need to forgive. And two things, two reasons for this. First of all is that God was the first being in history that was offended. Have you ever thought about that? And secondly, God originated forgiveness. Why is that or how is that? Well, before sin entered into history, there was nothing to forgive. There was no offense. There was no injustice. But then you see the, uh, the fall of Lucifer, the archangel. Then it's followed by the sin of Adam and then the sin of Eve. And this offense was against God himself. And for the first time in history since God spoke this world into existence, a being had been offended, had been, suffered pain or injustice because of sin, because of an offense that was felt. And since God was the very first being that suffered pain, that suffered injustice, he was the very first one to take action, as is implied in Genesis chapter 3.15, which reads this way. I will make you, the woman, enemies to each other. He's speaking to the woman and to the serpent, to, to, basically to humanity and to Satan. Your descendants and her descendants will be enemies. And one of her descendants, Jesus Christ, will crush your head, which is a blow to the head is, is, is death. But you will bite his heel. And so, this is the first messianic prophecy of the Old Testament. It's the first foretelling that God has a plan for salvation. And it's the first thing that God introduces. So that when sin enters into the world, when the offense and the injustice of sin enters into the world, God responds with forgiveness. He offers a plan of salvation. He basically says, look, there will always be an issue between humanity and between Satan. There will be this enmity. There will be this hardship between the two of those. And... Uh, and, and, and though the, the, um, the Satan himself, the, the, the serpent, will strike his heel, which will cause a bruise, which the, the King James Version writes that it will bruise his heel, speaking of Jesus. Uh, a bruise to the heel it may be painful, uh, but it's not deadly. And what Jesus suffered on the cross was painful, and although he died, he rose again. It definitely wasn't deadly unto death eternal. He rose again. But what Jesus Christ will do to Satan, which will rectify the sin and the original offense that God suffered there in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, and that God makes revision for in Genesis chapter 3, that original sin, that original offense, God says, I will forgive because I will destroy Satan and the very thing that causes injustice in the world. You see, forgiveness finds its beginning in the very heart of God. So why does forgiveness originate with God? Because it was he who first suffered injustice. He's the very first one. That's why forgiveness didn't start with man, but it's for man. Let's talk about that. How does forgiveness work? That's the second question that I get. How does forgiveness work? Well, I'm going to answer that with a question. And here's the question. If God invented it, if God invented, if God was the first one to forgive, then isn't it logical to conclude that we should forgive as he forgives? If God's the very first one that was offended and God forgave, isn't it logical that we conclude that we should do the exact same thing that he did, which is forgive? Because when we forgive, we're participating with God in something that's of extraordinary divine origin. We're we're partnering with God, in in, in essence, that when we act as he acts, when we forgive as he forgives, when we do that, that we're actually partnering with how God created things to be. But how many of you know that's not always the case? Mm, I know we're in church. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. I'm going to give you a statement. In reality, it's offensive to God when we don't forgive and our refusal to pardon others actually restrains God from acquitting us or or from forgiving us. Let me say that again. Actually, it is offensive to God when we don't forgive and when we refuse to pardon others. It actually restrains God from acquitting us. Are you serious? Yeah, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, But if you don't forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. On the other hand, God considers it an act of real trust in Him and in His Word when we believe His Word and when we do as He does and when we forgive. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, If you forgive men when they sin against you, then your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. So that's a, hey, if I forgive, I'm going to be forgiven. If I don't forgive the person that I've seen, then I I hold that against God. Colossians 3.13 says, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances. That word, whatever, means anything, all right? Just in case you didn't know that. Uh, Whatever grievances you may have with one another and forgive as the Lord forgave you. As the Lord forgave you. How does the Lord forgive? I'm glad you asked that question. Look at these scriptures. Psalm chapter 130 verse 3 and 4 says, If you, O Lord, kept a record of sin, He doesn't, but if you did, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness. Micah chapter 7 verse 18 and 19 says this, Who is a God like you who pardons sins and forgives the transgressions of the remnant of his inheritance? For you do not stay angry forever, thank God, but you delight to show mercy. And you will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all of our iniquities into the depths of the sea. Let's go on. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far as has he removed our transgressions from us. And Isaiah 38, 17 says, You have put all my sins behind your back. When God forgives you, when God forgives me, he forgets. He forgets forgets. He shows mercy. He shows amazing grace, unmerited favor to us, to anyone who asks. It's it's one of the things I love about God. That's one of the things I'm amazed about God is how he shows grace and how he shows mercy. So if God does that, and we're supposed to forgive as he forgives, and we see how forgiveness works, here's the third question I get. Then why can't we forgive and forget? You and I. If God has the ability to do that, if God can cast our sins as far as the east is from the west, if God can take our sins and bury them at the bottom of the ocean, then why can't we? let you listen to this. Because God has a purpose for your failures and for your mistakes. God has a purpose for your failures and for your mistakes. We all come to Jesus Christ. We all come to Jesus Christ with spiritual broken bones. With wounds and with hurts and with past mistakes. God, check this out. This is going to be on the screen for you. God does forgive and forget the past. But he never erases it. Because he has a purpose. Because he has a purpose. It's an interesting statement. How can a God forgive and forget but yet never erase it? Well, if he erased it, you wouldn't remember it. If he erased it, you would have no recollection of it. There's coming a day, it's called heaven, where we won't remember that. Where every, every sin will be stricken from our very minds and our beings of who we are. But until then, even though God forgets it, God doesn't remember it anymore, but he allows us because God's intention is to heal the wounds of our past, to bind us together all the hurts, all the pain, all the things to heal us in our relationship, but he doesn't allow the past, he allows the scars to remain. He allows the weakness to remain. Why? So that he can use you and I as wounded healers. Think about this for a second. To go out and help those who are struggling with the exact same things. That's how God's blessed glorified. That's how God works. That's how people are best helped when we, when you and I allow God to use us in our very own weaknesses and our mistakes to help other people. See, it's interesting that I judge people from my point of strength, not from my point of weakness. You judge people from your point of strength, not from your point of weakness. You have a tendency to look at people and go, if you're skinny, you have a tendency to look at those of us that are a little bit more uh, husky, should we say. And you go, why? What's their issue? For those of you that are active, you look at inactive people and you go, well, why don't they just get up and just run 10 miles? Well, what's the big deal? <sighs> See me after service. I'll help you with that one. <laughs> right? I mean, w- w- we sometimes in the church go, well, why-, why can't they just bake off that addiction? Why can't they just leave the alcohol alone? Why, why can't they just leave the-, the sex alone? Why can't they just do, why can't they just? And we judge people, not from our weaknesses, but we judge people from our own strengths. And, what, and the reason why we do that is because we are secure in our strengths because we want God to see our strengths. But the truth of the matter is God sees all of us, including our weaknesses, and that the reality is, is that we typically as humans don't judge people from a point of weakness but from a point of strength. I typically don't throw a rock if I live in a glass house. I'm not the one that's going to bring up somebody else's issue if I've got the same issue. Why? Well, because in, in the world that we live in, that's, uh, that, that, that's, uh, that's inauthentic at best. But the reality is it's how we're wired and made as humans because there's this protective mechanism that says, I want to put my very best foot forward with God because Because you've ever heard somebody say to you, well, when I get things all right with God, then I'll, show, then I'll come to church. When I get everything worked out, then I'll come to God, which is crazy thinking because at the end of the day, we're all, our righteousness, every one of us, is a filthy rags inside of a holy God, mine included. Everybody's in this room. I mean, that's just, you know, we, we are sinful. We are born of a sinful nature. Uh, We come into this world and we battle this thing. And so what God says is, look, your sins are forgiven when you ask for forgiveness. And you walk through the consequence of your sin. We talked about that last weekend. But the reality is, is that in your life, you can take the very thing that the enemy would try to use to destroy you. And God will turn around and use it for your good. How does he do that? Because he allows you to help other people that are struggling with the exact same addictions, with the exact same pains, with the exact same wounds. It's amazing when someone's lost somebody, how they can help somebody else. When someone's gone through a rough time, how they can help someone else. When someone struggled through addiction, how they can help someone else. Why? Because you have compassion in the very area where you find weakness. And God knows that about us. And so if he forgave us and we forgot what we did, we forgot our history, number one, we would forget about how great he is and what he's done for us. And sometimes we should just be reminded of how good God is. Sometimes we should just take a time out in life and go, wow, Life's pretty good. God's been pretty great to me. I mean, God has really blessed me. Look how far I've come. Some of you may need to take a time out this weekend and just go, wow, I've been serving God for this number of months or this number of years. And look at what he's done and look at how he's worked. If, he, if, you, if you forgot every time you asked God for forgiveness, you'd have no recollection of how far you've come. You'd have no, you'd have no you know, uh, I love the old hymn of the church, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story. This is my song. Singing my Savior all the day long. I mean, I can sing those songs all day long. I'm just telling you, it, there's something about it that says, This is my story. This is my weakness. This is my issue. This is my problem. And here's what God wants us to do. The enemy wants you to be walk in fear. And the enemy of your soul wants you to walk in shame. And he wants you to hide that and push that down. Don't let anybody know that you've ever gone through an abortion. Don't let anybody ever know that you've ever struggled with this. Don't let anybody know that you've had this kind of past. Don't let anybody know how many times you've been married. Don't let anybody know how many times... Don't let, don't, and, and, and God says, no, 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 no. I will take... All the broken paths. I'll take all the broken road that led you straight to me. I will take all of that and I will turn around and use it for my glory. It will be a testimony for you. Here's the reality. That's why he allows us the ability to remember. Is it painful? Sure. We like to forget it? Oh, yeah. But man, when you think about what God's done in your life. Seriously, just stop for a moment and just think about what he's done in your life. And we don't have that thankfulness without those memories of how far he's brought us and what he's brought us through. And here's the other thing. We're not able to go over the mountains that are ahead of us without remembering the struggles that are behind us. Struggle produces strength. And out of those struggles come greatness. I'm telling you, this is where somebody's living today. Struggle produces strength. And out of where God's brought you to, to where he's bringing you to. And the mountains that are ahead of you. And the oppositions that are ahead of you. And the things that you're going to have to walk through ahead of you. It's going to be the past victories and the past failures. That you have the ability to recollect how God used all those things to turn them around for your good. To give you strength for the journey and faith to follow. That's why I'm so glad that he forgives my sins. And doesn't hold them against me. And he forgets them. And casts them as far as the east is from the west. And as painful as it is for me, it's a reminder to me every single day because I can't forget how good he's been, how gracious he's been, and how faithful he's been. God uses our mistakes to help other people. And the last question that I get is then, why or how do I forgive myself? How do I forgive me? Well, I'm going to go back to this passage and uh, Psalm 32. I want to reread this passage because this passage holds the keys of how you find forgiveness for yourself. Let's read it again. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit there's no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through all my groaning all day long. For all day and night your hand was heavy upon me and my strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer. And then It's an operative word in the phrase. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt. Not just the sin, but the guilt, the shame, the weight, the the turmoil, the the torment of my sin. Now, this passage gives us three words that God uses for sin in verses 1 and verse 2. You highlight in your Bible or you do whatever, you can do that. But he uses three words for sin. First is transgression. Transgression means to go away from, departing from, rebellion. So to transgress would be to go away from or to depart or rebellion. The second word he uses for sin is sin, which is disobedience to God's word. God's word says go this way, you go that way, sin. God's word says go left, you go right, sin. It's disobedience to God's word. And the third word he uses is iniquity which means corrupt or twisted or crooked. Uh, uh, it's a twisting of God's grace to fulfill our own evil desires. It's when you use God's word and you use grace as a welcome mat to wipe your feet off on, uh, and just go live the way you want to live. That's what iniquity means. Now, these are God's three words for sin, pretty heavy. That's how, he, that's how he views that. I want you to look at verse 3 and verse 4 real quick, though. Um, because you and I aren't created to handle the weight and the guilt of sin. Did you know that? We're not created, not only are we not created to handle sin, we're not created to handle the weight and the guilt of sin. Because when we deal with sin in and of ourselves, because what's happened here in verse 1 and verse 2, David is basically making a a, a statement as he's dealt with all the the junk that that we just talked about earlier. He's basically making a declarative statement about God, how God views sin. And he knows this. But in verse 3 and verse 4, he tells you exactly what he does with his sin. He just keeps silent. And in his silence, in his lack of confession, in his lack of coming to God, his bones began to, to waste away. And he groaned all throughout the day and the night. It's what sin and what guilt will do for you. And, 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 the, and all day and all night, it was heavy on him. His strength was sapped like, like working in the, in the heat of the day in the middle of the summertime. He was exhausted. Can, can I tell you that you and I are not created to carry the, carry the weight of sin. That's reason why the enemy of your soul and my soul will so try to weight us down and will try to keep us down. And he will and, and the way he tries to confine us is through guilt and shame. Because the reality is is that he knows we're not wired for this. See, we were wired to live in the Garden of Eden. We were wired to sit and talk with God in the cool of the day. We were wired for relationship. We were wired for, for God to use us to accomplish great things. We were not wired to deal with sin. Because when sin entered the world, God had to bring provision through Jesus Christ. Which means there is an answer. There is a way. There's a way to find forgiveness. There's a way not to have your, your, your bones ache and, and groan all the way through the night. And feel heaviness upon your life. And feel the weight of that on your life. It's called forgiveness through Jesus Christ through God's only son. But when we try to carry our sins in of ourselves, it's like carrying a, 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 a like luggage with us wherever we go. If these, are, these are the sins. This is the issue. And the longer we go through life, the heavier it gets and the heavier the way the baggage gets. And it's this baggage that we carry. And we just carry it and we carry it and our arms get sore and then we put it on our back and our back gets sore and our legs get sore and we become weary. And the enemy of your soul and my soul knows this. That's the reason why he weights you down and weights you down and weights you down. This is why he says, hey, church is a joke. God is a joke. God doesn't hear you. God doesn't care about you. he's got bigger things to deal with. He, you don't, and you just keep carrying it and carrying it. You're never going to get over that. You're, you're addicted to that. You're addicted to pornography. You're addicted to alcohol. You're, you're a workaholic. You don't care about your wife. You don't care about your kids. You don't care about your husband. You don't care about anybody but yourself. These drugs own you. I own you. And all of a sudden you begin to believe all the lies of the enemy and you carry the weight of your sin. And when you do that, you will show physical effects in your own body. According to what David says of what happens. And you're not intended to be that way. That's the reason why God instituted this thing called forgiveness. In the very beginning, he makes provision for it. Why? Because he knows that unforgiveness, which equals the weight of guilt and shame, is something that you and I can't handle. You ever been around someone who's, who won't forgive? They're about as mean and sour and surly as about anybody you're going to meet. You ever been around someone who just carries the guilt of of the past? Oh my goodness. It's like this weight. It's like this thing. You ever been around Christians? Christ followers, or at least they profess to be that way, but they have these pet things and they just have these areas in their life where they just go, well, God just can't help me with this. I just can't forgive myself because I just... That's where David was. But what happened in verse 5 is he began to realize God's response for sin. God uses three words in verse 5 to respond to sin. First is forgiven. Forgiven means that your sins are lifted off. They're removed. Taken away. They're removed. The weight is gone. Second word he uses is the word covered. Your sins are no longer seen or remembered. It's where we get the word mercy from. In in the Old Testament, you would have to have the the, the, uh, blood of sacrificial animals that would be brought in by the high priest. And the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and would stand over what was called the mercy seat, which housed the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant represents the presence and the power of God. And they would take the blood of the bulls and the goats and the lambs and they would sprinkle it on the mercy seat and they would literally cover the mercy seat with this sacrificial animal. So that it was covered. So that that's what God would see. The same way. It's the reason why Jesus Christ. The Bible says he was the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ came to be a ransom for you and for I. That's why his blood had to be shed. Because when God sees your sin. He doesn't see your sin. He sees the blood that Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's cross. And it covers you. It covers you me and he sees our sin he sees our iniquity he sees our transgressions no more. And David says, "Man, my sins are covered. God, you don't see them. You have mercy not to even look up on them." And the last word he uses is impute, which means your sins do not count against you. You're free. It doesn't count. You're free. The jury's come back. You're free. You're free. You no longer, not only are you forgiven, your sins are are lifted. Not only are you covered, which means God doesn't see your sin anymore, but you are free to go. You are free to leave. The, The jury has made a decision. God, the judge, has made a decision. And he says, You're free. And, and, the, and the only one that says you're not is the devil. And the devil doesn't count because he's not even in the jury box or on the throne. You are free. Why? Because your sins have been forgiven. Because they've been covered. And David says, he uses the word, the article, then. He said, then my guilt was gone. Because when you experience the forgiveness and the covering and the, and, 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 and the imputation of God's grace in your life, when he imputes that into your life, then all of a sudden, the guilt is gone. The shame is gone. You may remember, but, 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 but God will only use that to help you to help someone else. And so, David says, man, here's my response to sin. This is how we should respond to sin. Allow God to forgive because I can't. Allow God to forgive me because I can't forgive me. Allow God to cover because I can't cover my sins. My righteousness is as, as, as a filthy rags on the side of a holy God. I'm never going to be good enough, smart enough, fast enough, holy enough, pure enough. And allow God to settle the score. Because only he can. You see, you and I, we can't forgive ourselves. We may never forget this side of eternity. But that's why we come to Jesus. Because only He can do what we can't, and that is forgive our sin. and every eye closed I just want to simply give you an opportunity today to make a decision for Christ you may not want to you may want to that's between you and the Lord but uh, as we've talked this weekend you uh, and even as the song was sung you, you realized how great the love of God is that's why we call it the good news that's what the, that's what the word gospel means is good news that we don't have to live in our sins but that God loved us so much that he gave his only son Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and to make us right with him and the guilt and the shame and the aching and the groaning all through the night that God will bring life and health and wholeness and even what the enemy would try to use to harm you or harm me that God will actually use for his good so if you're here today and you say, man, Aaron, I, I, I'm not right with God. I, I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe, you, maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you're cool with Jesus. But in your entire adult life, you just say, man, I've never made a decision for Jesus Christ. I've never asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and into my life and to forgive me of my sins. And you go, you know, as you're talking today, I, I want to make that decision. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. If that's you, I just want you to simply just slip up your hand high enough for me to see it and put it back down. Am I going to embarrass you? Thanks. Just up high enough for me to see it and back down. Thanks. That's where you are. I'm just going to, I just want to just pray with you. Thanks. Anybody else? Here's what I want to do. I want to pray the prayer. And the Bible says praying the prayer doesn't save you, but if you believe when you confess, if you believe when you pray what you're praying, the Bible says, according to Romans ten nine and 10, that your sins will be forgiven and your relationship will be right with God and that you'll have the certainty that heaven is your home and you can begin this new life in Jesus Christ. So standing on God's word, I simply want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. And I'm going to ask everyone in this room to to pray this prayer with me and to lend their voice with those that are praying it for the very first time. Maybe you're even watching from an internet campus and and you are going to make a decision to follow Christ today. Just pray this prayer with us as we pray this prayer here. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, to come into my life, and to forgive me of all my sins of all my transgression, of all my failures. And I ask you to cover my sins with the blood of your son Jesus and to give me the new life that comes from him. I thank you for loving me enough, for sending your son Jesus, for forgiving me of my sins. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise for those that made a decision?